My name is Zakir, and you are listening to the Living Legacy Podcast. I am a brand cultivating strategist, a cancer survivor, and a camera saved my life. In this podcast, we'll be sharing stories of the various connections that I have as a professional photographer, featuring women that I admire that run businesses and are wives, entrepreneurs, they're also parents. And lo and behold, you never know, I may interview some of my favorite men. In this podcast, you will learn about professionalism, you learn about business, you learn about travel, as well as how to deal with the highs and lows of life and marriage. Now it's my turn to teach you and inspire you to step outside of your country zone. Jumi Olawale is a Nigerian-American decent and a London transplant, and she's a huge music lover just like me. Jumi is a licensed professional clinical counselor, motivational speaker, life coach, and podcaster. She has her own private practice called Focus Counseling in Grandview Heights, Ohio, where she works with clients struggling with relationship, marital, and mental health issues. She helps them to find meaning and minimize their symptoms, as well as improve their relationship with her international and multicultural life experience and education. She used to be a caseworker, but that was not fulfilling enough for her. Jumi went back to school to earn her Master's of Arts degree in counseling ministry. Jumi was born in Nigeria, West Africa, where she lived and attended elementary and secondary school, which is middle school. She graduated from high school and college in London, England. After getting married, she migrated to the U.S., where she now lives with her husband and their two children. I'm drawn to life coaches. I don't know why. Maybe because others were drawn to growing up, you know, for, for those who wanted to tell their advice to. It happened so much for me in medical school that I thought I wanted to be a therapist or psychologist, but that was just way too much schooling for me. So I met Jumi in the She Podcast Facebook group. She has her own podcast called Life, Love, and Therapy with Jumi Olawale. And in this episode, we talk about our love for music, our love for West Africa, our love for love the ups and downs of an immigration journey. Because in another episode, I will talk about how much immigration was a huge part of my husband and I's marriage. Why she started her practice and why she loved what she does. Based off of this conversation, I can just tell that she's like me in many ways. She's a natural helper. She wants to help people. So, so she speaks from personal experiences and I think that genuinely makes her an amazing therapist, and counselor. You can also find her on the web at jumiolawale.com. That's J-U-M-M-Y-O-L-A-W-A-L-E.com. Hi, Jumi. Hi, Zakira. How are you? you? I'm good. Thank you. (laughs) Good. (laughs) So thank you so much for being a guest on my podcast. Happily. (laughs) <laughs> so today is going to be interesting. Um, well, of course, we met in uh, indirectly in She Podcast Group. Um, I don't even remember how it happened. I just knew that something about, it was probably one of the opportunities to share about your podcast and, and something about it just sparked me. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is aligning with my podcast. Let me, let me see if she's willing. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for reaching out. Happy to be here. So go ahead and tell me more about your practice, because we're going to talk about love. We're going to talk all about it today. But um, just tell me more about who you are and why we should learn from you. So my name is Jimmy Olawale. I am a therapist, um, and I have my own private practice called Focus Counseling Clinic. 
which is based in Grandview in Ohio. Ohio. And, <laughs> and I have been practicing um, as a clinician uh, my for uh, about eight years now. Um, and I work with people that struggle with anxiety, depression, and marital issues. Um, and I also have my own podcast. And yeah, the journey has been pretty awesome. I've learned quite a bit over the years. And um, I'm excited to share some of that wisdom with you guys. So two questions for you. One, what's the name of your podcast? And two, exactly how many years has it been? All right. So my podcast literally started on my birthday. I had been wanting to start a podcast for like two years and I sat on it because I was so afraid to do it. And then I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to just go ahead and do it. And I started actually on the 23rd of March this year and it's called Life, Love and Therapy. And that's really what it is. It's really about how um, to live our lives and to love well from the perspective of a therapist. The goal really of that podcast is to be a holding space for people's experiences. So, yeah. I love it. I love it. So you're sharing in your podcast and obviously in this episode too, you're sharing um, approximately how many years of your therapy experience. Yeah, I mean, I've learned a lot over the years. Um, And, you know, honestly, that's why I wanted to do the podcast, because I wanted to provide a space where people can really um, know that they're not alone. And we can touch on some of those issues that are bugging people. And I can bring some of that experiences to bear because, you know, lots of people can listen to a podcast. I can only see one client at a time. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so the good thing, I feel like, uh, you and many other therapists are more relatable when they have been through what they talk about, right? What brought you to first, you know, I know that you did have, you have your own practice now, but it wasn't always that way. So what brought you through those steps? So I have always wanted to be a therapist um, since I was maybe in high school. Prior to that, I was that person that everybody would come to to ask me or tell me about whatever problems. Like literally, I will be on the elevator and someone will give me like a quick life story within a few minutes. And, and so I have been that person all my life and going to school to study counseling was just a way to legitimize that, to learn clinical skills so that I can be able to help people better. Um, And so I started actually working in um, a community-based agency where I saw like lots of kids and their parents and really working to help, you know, the family unit um, really get better. Um, And prior to that, I used to work for Children's Services and I saw a lot of, you know, situations in homes that I'm like, wow, if they had this resource, if they had that resource, it would be so much better. And as a caseworker, I couldn't do that. I couldn't counsel people. So that actually really motivated me to go back to school to get my counseling um, license and education and so that I could help those people. Um, So while I was working in a community-based agency, I also was working in private practice, in another person's private practice. I always wanted to have my own, but again, it's interesting how fear gets in the way. I eventually left that place because I got a position to be a clinical director at a different um, agency and I was only there for six months. That situation just did not work out. And I was like, okay, I have this, I have this opportunity right now. I could go and open my own practice. And at the same time, I got another job offer to be a clinical director somewhere else. And I was like, (laughs) I was like, oh my goodness. It was almost like, you know, I felt like God was trying to tell me like, I got you. Like, 
you know, you can be somewhere else. You can be a clinical director and do all of those things. And you can also go ahead and have your own practice. And my family was very supportive and they were like, just go and open your own. And I was certain that nobody would show up. Um, but that was in 2015 and we're now in 2019 and I've already moved three times to a bigger spot. So my fear was a liar. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So let's see. Uh, So you say family. Now, who would you, who's all a part of your immediate family? Okay. So that will be my husband um, and our two children, but then my parents, my parents don't live in the United States. They live in England. My siblings live in England and um, they have been the, the wind beneath my wings. I don't think I could do anything without them. Um, when I doubt myself, I just put my voice on pause and I let their voice carry me. And I, I trust like when they tell me like, Jimmy, don't worry. If my husband says to me, like, if I'm, if I'm worried about something, about making a move on something, I'm telling you, as soon as that guy says to me, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. Fear, pause. And I'm like, yeah, everything's going to be okay. Let's go. You know, he's, he's, he's always been my wing person has always been someone that supported me, you know, for many, many years. So I trust his, I trust his um, judgment and things. Yeah. So that trust had to be definitely be built over the course of how many years? How, how many years have y'all been married? Oh my gosh, since 2004. So what are we in now? 2019. Yeah. So ooh, uh, let's see, we're going into 15 years. Yeah. 15 years of marriage in August, um, wow. 7th of August. Yeah. So we've been at this for quite some time. <laughs> yeah. So we've been at this for quite some time. <laughs> now you can hear I am. Uh, Coming up on five years in July. <laughs> so nothing well, compare, but listen, five years is a lot of time to be spending with someone that you two came from different places and trying to make a home together. So yeah, literally. five years, it's a lot of experience. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. My husband and my husband is uh, West African. So uh, yeah, they lit- that was literally two different cultures coming into one household. But thank goodness for the base of religion. Thank goodness for the base of God. I think that that's what helped us, you know, through all the ups and downs. Yes, absolutely. I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on that one. So I'm also from West Africa. Yeah, West Africa. Hey. Um, <laughs> so I'm from Nigeria. My husband is also from Nigeria. We've been dating since we were like kids. So um, yeah, so it, it, even though we are from the same culture, even though we are from the same country, we are also from different family cultures, right? And although we share a lot of values, um, we share the same faith, it doesn't mean that it's any easier. You know, those things just give you a good base to start, but the work is a lot more than that base, right? And so becoming, you know, a family has been a journey for both of us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Never a dull moment. <laughs> Never a dull moment. So did there... Um... Are there any, I guess, clashes? Because um, I know you said you grew up in London. So that means you kind of had uh, a completely different experience, a British experience before an American experience, right? Compared yeah. To yeah. Husband. Yeah. So I moved to UK and my husband moved to the US. I moved to the UK within a year of leaving Nigeria. My husband was, was in the US. Um, and so I lived there. I went to high school there. I went to college there. And then my husband dragged me to Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> after we got married and it was a it was a major transition it was a major it was not easy at all it was hard so what helped you the most to make it through that first two years because I would say that I think that's the average of how long it really takes to get a feel for everything 
Yeah. Looking back, you know, there were many times that I fantasized about buying a one-way ticket to go back home because it was just so hard. Um, We started our marriage and it was really tough when we started our marriage because within a week of us getting married, my husband lost his job. And exactly the Saturday after we got married. So after we got married, within a few days after the wedding, he moved back to the United States and I was supposed to be joining him within like two weeks. Um, So he went to the office. He used to be, he was in law school at the time and he was a law clerk at a law firm. And he went there to just say like, okay, I'm back. You know, let me start getting some work done. And then they were like, yeah, hold on a second. We're just going to come and meet you at the office. And then right there and then they fired him. And it was like, uh, what did I do wrong? They're like, no, you didn't do anything wrong. We just don't want you to think that we're going to hang on to you once you complete you know, law school. So we just want to do it now. And it was like, dude, I just got married a week ago. And they were like, yeah, we understand. That's why we didn't call you on your honeymoon. It was almost like they thought they were doing him a favor. So I'm coming from Nigeria to join this guy in the US. He just lost his job. I don't have the legal paperwork to be able to work. So I can't work and he has no job. So let's just say that was not a great experience for several months. We really struggled because it took nine months for him to actually be able to get a job and for me to also get a job. And that's why I say that, like, how long you've been married doesn't matter. Within the first nine months of our lives as a married couple, we grew so much from that experience. It catapulted us so much faster than people who had been married for many, many years because we had to struggle with really hard things so early. So there's this quote, I've seen it somewhere about the strongest couples endured the most in their first few years of marriages. For real? Something like that. Listen, I I wish I didn't have to endure all that. You know, like, you can miss me with it. Let's just, let's skip it. But... (laughs) But, you know, because like you, you, even though you grow from those experiences, like sometimes they also leave a dent in you, right? Like it's, 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 you know, you, you, you get scarred <laughs> from those experiences. Um, but, you know, those experiences also made us grow in our faith. It made us, you know, have to lean really hard on each other. And so to your first question, you know, earlier about what has helped me in the last two years, number one has been my faith. Number two is just the fact that my husband and I are pretty stubborn people and, you know, like we like to work hard at things. You know, we really like to work hard at things. And I really believe that like when you get married, you just have to try to work out a lot of things. So it didn't mean that I didn't have doubts. It didn't mean that there were days that I didn't question why did I even get married in the first place? Why can't I just buy a ticket and go home? My parents may or may not, you know, <laughs> be like cool with that. Um, but, but what really kept me grounded was just the fact that like we're both stubborn people and my faith. Those were the two things because at, at the end of the day, everything stri- was stripped away. I couldn't tell my friends what was going on. My friends didn't even know that like we were both jobless. They didn't know that we were struggling. They were like, are you guys on your honeymoon? <laughs> and you know, people will come and visit us and um, you know, I'll cook for them, but they had no idea what we were going through. And so the two of us had to lean on each other and at some point figure out that we're both not the problems. The problem was the problem and we needed to focus on the problem being the problem rather than attacking each other as the problems, you know? Mm, yes, yes. And you know what? I watch um, a TV show called Red Table Talk. And uh-huh, with Jada? Smith, yep, yep. And she had this episode with, uh, he's, she has a very interesting story. His name is Jay Shetty. He used to be a monk, but now he's just an amazing motivational speaker. And the 
I don't, well, I guess the conversation was entirely about marriage. It was technically my first time really seeing his wife. He, he brought his wife on the show too. And they said something that really just stuck with me about the thing that kind of helped them to like really, you know, endure their marriage is attacking problems as a team, not your problem. It's your problem only, right? Just talking about uh, it's our problem to deal with and it's our problem to solve. Uh, that was, you know, a shifter for me because it's so common, especially, like you said, to stubborn, to independent people, that's the mentality of thinking. Like, it's my problem. Let me deal with it. Yes. Or you're the problem. <laughs> that too. <laughs> it's, it's even worse when you're like, mm, yeah, you're, you're, you're the problem over here. <laughs> Rather than like, no, the problem is your problem. The problem is the problem. And the two of you need to come together to solve the problem. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. What did you learn the most from your immigration experience? Hmm. <laughs> well, I've had several immigration experiences, right? So I first moved from Nigeria to England and then from England to the U.S. So, you know, those the times that I moved, I was two different people. So I moved from Nigeria to England when I was 15 and I was not happy. I was not happy about that at all because I left all of my friends behind. I'm in this country where people don't even, can't even like understand what I'm saying. My accent is so thick that I had to repeat myself three, four times, you know, and um, I experienced bullying at school and it was, it was really rough, you know, but I have to say it also built me because um, it made me experience what it's like to be the person in the margins. It made me experience what it's like to be on the outs. Um, You know, when I was in Nigeria, I had my own friends. I didn't know what it was like to like not have friends. I didn't know what it was like to have to start all over. Um, So it made me a very compassionate person. I remember this experience that happened to me when when I got my first job. It was at McDonald's in England. I was only 16 years old. And um, on my first day, I didn't know what time to go to to go on break and if we were allowed to eat anything, you know? And I kept working and kept working and nobody told me. Then then the manager was like, have you had a break yet? And I was like, no. And he's like, how come? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, nobody I told me know. to go yeah. get a break. And it was like, yeah, go take a break. And I didn't pack any food and I was so hungry. I just sat in the break room and after my break was over, I came, I came back to the, you know, to join the staff. And then after like a few days, so then I'll pack my food. After a few days, they were like, you know what, you can get some food. And I didn't know. I didn't feel like the people that surrounded me at the time when I started working were supportive. I didn't feel like they remembered what it was like to be a new person at a job. So, you know, because you're so nervous. And I really told myself, like, if we ever hire a new person, I'm going to walk them through what I went through. So we, we got a new guy. I was like, hey, you need to go and break at this time. You get a 15 minutes break at this time. And when you do, you can get a meal, you can get fries, you can get a dessert. And you know, whenever I see him in the break room, I would tell him, you can do this, you can do that. And I'm telling you, like, we became really, really good friends. And it's like, I've never, he told me, it's like, I've never met somebody like that before. Because I knew what it was like to be on the out. So one of the things that the immigration really, moving really taught me was that it's hard. It's hard to move. It's hard to uproot. And it's also hard for people who are not in the majority, who are not the ones getting all the privileges. Um, it also taught me that, you know, even though we're all different colors and different um, religions and different ethnicity and different whatever, like you need to meet people where they are as humans. So I have friends from different countries. I have friends from different races. And it's really expanded my view of life. 
it's not as narrow as like when you don't, you know, you don't meet other people. So that's what immigration has really taught me. It's like as human beings, we're all literally dealing with the same problems. We want our family to be happy, we want to provide for our families, we want to be healthy. Immigrant, not immigrant, it's the same goal. It's the same goal. Um, so that's what I've learned over the years. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm hearing the experiences that I know of because, I mean, I have traveled to other countries. The longest I've traveled, I was in Ghana for two months. That was the closest I felt to being an outsider for a second. I mean, I was home, but I was not home, you know? So I know that experience you're thinking of because I too grew up in a multicultural environment. So um, it was different as a child, just all of a sudden seeing a new face and just, you know, all my, I was ready to be a nice person. So my goal is to just make sure that they're comfortable. But the older I get and the more uh, immigration journeys I learn about, because I too had to go through one with my own husband, the more empathetic I am, you know, towards the experiences. So I feel like more, I would say more Americans should just understand or even inquire about the immigration journey in itself. I mean, it's not just some new person taking over <laughs> your land, right, right, your right. job, you know. Right, they, right. Exactly. They too want, you know, the quote unquote American dream, want a better way of living. Like, that's all it is. That's all it is. That's literally all it is. And, you know, I encourage people, I implore people to go to cultures where they don't speak their language and get a feel for how powerless that makes you feel. And the insurmountable mountain that you have to climb to be successful in those places. Um, so that when you look at an immigrant, you understand that what you're seeing right there is resilience in action. You know, it's resilience in action. So, yeah, that's been my journey and that's what I've learned. Absolutely. I love it. Okay, so we're going to have a little fun. Um, name me three songs that help you get through the day. Oh, my gosh. Three songs. Okay, so let me tell you what I did this morning. Um, okay, so I'm a music person. I, I sing and all of that stuff. But over the years, I have not been paying a lot of attention to music. And <laughs> I really I really haven't. I know a lot of my old songs, but I don't know what is going on out there in the world. I am so detached from it. So I can tell you what I was listening to on my way in. Um, on my iTunes, I have like yoga music playing or like when you go to a spa place, the kind of music that they play was the music that I was playing coming in. So those kind of music help to relax me allows my brain and everything that it wants to think about to just calm all the way down. So I would say yay to yoga spa music. And then all the types of music that I like to listen to are Nigerian music. Like, I mean, Nigerian Hello. music. Yet, yet. <laughs> <laughs> and we're always coming up with different types of dance, but I can't even come up with one in my head right now. Mm -hmm. That's how bad it is because mm -hmm. I'm so, I, I don't listen to that much music anymore. Um, like I used to. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting old and I'm simplifying. My, I'm si I have some seal. So if you were to look at my iTunes right now, I have some seal um, there. I listened to seal this morning as well. And I also have Prince. Um, and I played that yesterday to my daughter because there's a song that we play to her and it's, could you be the most beautiful girl in the world? Mm -hmm. And she loves us playing mm -hmm. that song to her. So I'll play it to her and I'll sing to her. So those are the three songs I've listened to in the last two days. Yesterday was Prince, today spa music and <laughs> seal. <laughs> I love it yes. though. 
I love it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, um, I call myself a music head. So, you know, I get it. I'm a music head. I will, you know, one day listen to Kenny G. <laughs> and yes. then other days I will listen to um, what people call the somebody's sad type of R&B music. Like, ain't nothing wrong with that. Them old school 90s R&B. Ain't nobody, don't you yeah. mean I'm sad? That's not sad. Oh, 90s R&B. Yes, yes. <laughs> R&B is great. So, where else have you traveled to? So, we have we already know that there's Nigeria, there's England, there's Ohio, but where? Else? <laughs> so, I you know, I, I mean, Florida. We've been to we've been to several places in the United States, but I just count United States as one. Um, <laughs> doesn't really matter. You're still in the United States. Um, we've been to Canada a few years ago. We went to Canada. We went back again another few years ago. Went there for vacation. Niagara Falls in particular because we love that place. It's so beautiful and so powerful to just watch nature. Um, and we've all, last year we went to the Bahamas. We went on a Disney cruise to the Bahamas. So that was great. That was really, really great. That was our second time going to the Bahamas. Um, where else did we go? in terms of countries. I think so the two places outside of the UK and the US that we've been to. Um, I haven't, oh no, my husband and I went to France um, um, in 2011 when we both went to England. So we both went to France, we went to Calais, France, and we also both went to um, Ireland. So I've been to Ireland, I've been to Calais, France, um, the United States, England, Canada, and the Bahamas. So have you been back to Nigeria with the family yet? Yes, we were there in 2017 when my sister got married. It was awesome. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Where can we find you online and learn about your services? You can go to focuscounselingclinic.com and you can also go to jumiolawale.com. Um, so those are the two websites where you can find me. Now, if you want to stalk me, on the other hand... <laughs> If you want to know what I do on a daily basis-ish, um, you can find me on Instagram at Jumi Olawale, the therapist. And on Facebook, I have a Facebook page called Jumi Olawale Therapy and Counseling. Those are the four different places where I can be found. Oh, no. I'm also on Twitter at Jumi Olawale. Just watch just type my name in. They all pop up. Okay. Cool. I will stalk you then. <laughs> stalk away. <laughs> So then just to give a rundown of your services, do you do remote services? Is it only for people in Ohio? Yes. Um, yes and no. Yes, in terms of counseling, because you can't really counsel across state lines, except like you are also licensed in those in those states. Um, I know that some states are working on trying to um, allow other therapists to practice in their states, maybe through um, teletherapy where you're doing counseling on the Internet. Um, so when it comes to counseling, I only see people in Ohio in my office um, that struggle with anxiety, depression, um, marital issues, transition, grief, and all that good stuff. Um, but I also, I also do, I'm also a life coach. So I do life coaching across states. So a lot of my coaching clients are not from Ohio. They're scattered around the country. So if you want a life coach, hit me up if you're not in Ohio. Because I do it online. So, yeah. Okay. Very cool. I think I will. <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you so much. It's been an honor. Thank you. This was fun. It was. It was definitely fun. Thank you for listening to the Living Legacy Podcast. 
be sure to subscribe, follow, and download so you don't miss the next episode. If you want to learn more, you can visit ZakiraNayar.com. That's Z-A-A-K-I-R-A-H-N-A-Y-Y-A-R.com.